Hi, everyone, and welcome to the place where we discuss all things communication. This is Guide to Awesomeness, powered by Coldwell Banker, Ronan Realty. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another awesome episode of Guide to Awesomeness. I am super excited. This has been an awesome thing to be doing, and I know it's the Guide to Awesomeness, and I'm going to keep saying awesome because that's exactly what it is. We've been working on this podcast for over a year now. We've been rolling out episodes. I've lost count on how many episodes. I think I said that when I posted on Instagram a little while ago. There's so much information, and I took so long going through all of our previous episodes and really putting together the little snippets of information that tie together. All the time I talk about the idea of how we talk about something with one person and it ties in again to something somebody else said. It's really cool to see that value of what's going on. And I just want to jump right in and start start diving into the details of what's going on and what people are saying. So let's get right into it. This is an awesome anniversary and I hope you enjoy the episode. That's why you have to be in touch with everybody else. I don't mean that you need to know everything, but at least you need to know what's going on in Canada, for example, what's happening in the USA now, or what's happening in the Asia area or in Europe. So if you show that you have a little bit knowledge about these things, they know that, oh, okay, this girl knows something, so she is a bit different rather than the artist, then I can work with her. This is what they really think. They want to know this. These things are differentiating you rather than the others. When there is competition, you have to get little bit knowledge about everything. I mean, just little things make huge differences. This is the thing that I want to say. You need to know your market as the best. If you know your market, you are the best. So if you have this knowledge, you have the advantage of being in connection with these customers all the time because they know you're the best in your market and they come and they find you. This is the thing that I do all the time. As a global marketing specialist, Aileen really understands the fact of how knowledge is important. Right, You have to understand what's going on around the world in order to be that global level of marketing and of sales and of communication. I mean, when you first start a business, it's going to start out small. But as you build that business, you're going to find that your value stretches beyond you know, the local community as, as you continue to branch out and reach out and create that market. So when you're, when you're in touch with what's happening in other parts of the world or even just other parts of your own town or your own community or the other parts of the market, you know, knowledge of the additional tools, you know, to, to stand out to what's happening, it's going to be crucial to help you be successful in your business. I mean, now we're, we're working remotely in some cases, so it doesn't really matter where you're located. So can you look at a company from the outside in and say, you know what, that company, no matter where they are, really has the culture that I've been looking for. And like you say, that makes you feel good about the work that you're doing and and really translates back to what your own personal values are. Businesses showing, and business owners, and especially founders and presidents and senior leaders, showing their own personality through their social media around their business. 
show who you are, be authentic. And, you know, I think that earns trust more than I have these pretty stock photos or I have this great tagline. I think people want to see the whole entire thing, the whole journey. It's not as beautiful as it used to be in terms of matching palettes and this ombre flow or something like that. Like it's a little bit more patchy. I think that that's when you see some real authenticity come through when you're not just like, I'm going with pale pastel colors or whatever. Like, no, this is what it looked like today. So I, I really like that transition. Well, remember something, especially if you're in a service industry, if you want to grow your business, make sure that people like you. How do you get people to like you? Find common interests. Authentically putting yourself out there. It's the personal stuff. And, and the thing is, when it comes to your business, your Instagram, you really do want to put the personal stuff out there. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you interesting. People are terrified to look bad. They don't know what to say about themselves. They don't want to look egotistical. It's just terrifying for people to put something real out there. Show up as you are. You will attract those kinds of people. And everyone wants to work with people that you enjoy working with, right? If you try to put out something that you're not, you're going to attract kind of anything uh, and potentially like people that you are, you know, a pain in the butt to work with. If you show up as you, you're going to attract great people. And it doesn't mean you have to be super vulnerable. You just have to at least show up as yourself show the things that you like. If you're a dog person, you know, talk about your dog the odd time or, or talk on camera while you're walking your dog. You'd be surprised. I think another thing is that people think, oh, this isn't interesting. My life isn't interesting. Everybody thinks that. And I even think that, oh, I, I shouldn't be talking about this. This is boring. That is not the case, especially in today's culture with reality TV. Like people just want to watch how other people do things. So it's it's great to just show up once once a day once a day is my challenge to everyone listening. Just show up in your stories once a day. Say hello and what's going on and you'll start to attract people more regularly. You know, you're not going to come to me and I'm going to be in a suit and I'm going to sit there and be all prim and proper with you. That's not me. I am who I am and I am a human and people appreciate that, that they feel like they're talking to somebody who I have a life. I have three kids. I, my life doesn't revolve just around mortgages. Is it a big part of my life? 100% it is. But a huge part of my life is my three kids. Clients will call me. I need help. Sorry. I'm in the hockey arena right now watching a hockey game with my son. And people appreciate that. So I always say, if you have a dog, walk it because you're going to meet people and meet other like-minded people and there's your base of your business yeah. so I work for an agent now for almost eight years because I just commented on what a great picture he had of him and his dog mm -hmm. and uh, people will see occasionally on my Instagram or Facebook feed of me sitting with a big hairy white and black dog <laughs> great dog a sheep dog and uh, that's that person right so again that's how you build your business is what do you have in common is it yoga what is it is it walking on the trail is it kayaking canoeing mm -hmm. 
Everybody has something. Is it horses? Is it cows? You know, I I often frequently post pictures of those things when I arrive at a farm, right? Mm -hmm. So I grew up on a farm, so yeah. And I'm going to devote my my time and effort into them. That's what's going to make me different than those people that have been there for 30, 40 years that have a team behind them that sometimes you're not getting the same person over and over again. When you call me, you're getting me and it will always be me. Even if I expand and get a team behind me, my phone will always be on and you, you want to reach me, you will get me. So that was that was the best advice. Never give up and don't believe that anybody's different than who you are. You could be better. You could be worse. Doesn't matter. You be you. You know, at the end of the day, you are your own person. You make your own success. The only way to truly make yourself successful is to be yourself. And if you're good, other people will follow. We hear this all the time, being real, being you, being authentic, really showcasing who you are, whether it's showcasing the company as who they are and, you know, the culture to looking at, you know, your own personality within it, right? Being real. It's not about what's perfect and what's beautiful. It's, you know, it's going to help build your business when you find people that have common interests. So you want to be authentic. You want to have that personal touch to what you're doing. People are scared to be real, but you know what? There's there's value in in putting yourself out there and being true to you and and finding you know the like-minded people that you want to work with why would you put yourself out there and be something that you're not in order to try and create business that makes you uncomfortable or makes you working with people that you don't feel natural and comfortable to be around be you and you've got to be real be authentic in what you're saying in order to create the business that you're looking for. We're all striving towards a work-life balance. And I've listened to so many different podcasts and definitely trying hard to, to get there, but I also want to show up just like myself for real. It's tough. My personal opinion is that the hustle culture has to calm down a little bit. Because you don't actually have to be who you were yesterday to learn and adapt and play with all of these mediums that are available to us, whether that's social media, video games with your kids, fast-paced internet, changes in geopolitical situations, where you live. All of these things is, is how you decide to act and respond and do. Hustle, in my mind, is another word for effort. President Kennedy, when asked, uh, asked one of his advisors, you know, this was obviously many, many years ago, you know, what's it going to take to go to the moon? And, uh, or, or one of the advisors asked him, and his response was simply the will to do it. To be honest, we're, we're taught to be go, 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 right? Like in today's society, we're just like, okay, you want to do this, then you hop to and nothing else matters, right? We haven't been taught or people have kind of forgot balance in a certain aspect, I would say. Definitely like paying attention to the stress is a big one, but the action of what I do after that point is big. And uh, I think actually... If I had to say one habit that has been the most transformational for me in every way is breathing exercises. I do a kind of breathing exercise uh, by a man called Wim Hof, 
the Wim Hof method. And it's used by athletes and astronauts. And, and it's, it's not that complicated, but it is astronomical in the benefits in my stress levels, but also cardiovascular health, sleep, focus, all of these things. That's a book anyone can read, Wim Hof Method, highly recommend. But the breath is so connected to every bodily function that we have and especially to our stress and anxiety and focus. So that is something that is so important to pay attention to. When we break down the idea of hustle, I mean, it's not about the go, go, go. And I think, I think it's really been explained. There's value in obviously, you know, pushing yourself forward and, and striving for greatness and striving for betterment 100%. But there also has to be those moments that you realize, okay, I put the effort in. And I think David really explained it really well, right? You put that effort in. That's, that's what the hustle is. It's about how much energy you put into it, not, not about just going for the sake of going. You don't have to put your nose to the grind in order to be successful, but you have to be able to put in the effort, knowing that you can slow down, take the time to, to really process and analyze what you're doing, right? Breathing is, is a key factor in helping you slow things down and bring yourself back to center and understand what it is you're doing, why you're doing it, and be able to help you build that work-life balance that's really a tough thing to figure out. But as we get better at slowing down and, and really processing what we're doing and understanding our goals and figuring out where we want to be, that's when we find that balance. And I think it's key in order for us, again, to, to be successful and to really be the best version and be awesome. People need to look at the word pivot and not equate it with the word failure. Maybe that first idea that you talked about and you told everybody about it and they were like also excited for you. If you deviate away from that a little bit, that's not a failure. It's just like a, a pivot and you're just, you know, turning your car in a different direction and that that's something that should be celebrated amongst the business community. There's a famous, I think he was a conquistador. He basically, they invaded, I want to say Brazil. It's not a great story, but the message is great. And they brought their ships and they were doing an invasion and they were losing this invasion. So the soldiers all said that they want to retreat and go back to Spain. And the general turned around and he burned down all the ships. And he basically made it so that there was no other option. We're not going home, period. And so I've kind of always lived my business life with the fact that I've burned any other plan B, plan C, plan D. I hold myself accountable on a stupid level. And then I pick two people that have nothing to do with my business and make, not even two, sometimes it's just one. And I make sure I tell them what I plan on doing. And they have full authority that if I'm not pulling my weight, to say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, to put me back on pace. And every single time we were asking people about, you know, what's been your experience of failure? How do you define it? They all came up with a different definition, which was really interesting uh, from, from an empathic point of view, you know, when we're asking these questions about what does this mean to you? And we sort of expected much more of a coherent narrative across it, but it turns out that, that failure means something different to every single person. That's problematic in a workplace or any type of place where we're trying to do things that are new and innovative, because if we all have different ideas about what it means to fail, then we can't really have like a concrete uh, approach to running a good experiment or to, to learning. If someone 
looks at a, a small challenge as a big deal, a big, big failure, they're probably not going to do a lot of things uh, that, that could possibly lead to that outcome, which probably limits what they're trying in terms of their approach. Uh, and it also can lead to some some challenges in the workplace. If someone else who wants to go and experiment wildly and they're like, don't worry about it if it doesn't work, you know, having people that have very, very different approaches to uh, what it means to fail uh, is, is a problem in terms of collaboration. Failure at its core is, is experimentation, right? It's trying things, finding out whether or not they work, learning from the things that don't work and doing things differently, right? So, you know, we all talk about how important innovation and creativity, you know, these things are. And, and I think failure is a, the core component of that because really, I think at its core, you know, failure is experimentation. Be willing to experiment, you know, be willing to take risks, but also be willing to learn from those things. Be willing to take the time after something doesn't go right to step back and say, okay, you know, what contributed to that? How, how can we, you know, learn and use this next time? What we do naturally as people when the best laid plans don't end up working, we become emotional. And that's, that's a, a, a strength. So like to your point, like sometimes that can be our superpower, but that superpower of emotions can also be a problem too. So I, I try to explain something to someone uh, and it doesn't go according to plan or, you know, something ends up blowing up in my face for, for another reason. My natural reaction due to millions of years of evolution is that my brain starts to go into like a fight or flight emotional response where I'm preparing to be able to, to address the the conflict or the threat. And that's how my, my reptilian brain is, is, is seeing that. And as soon as we're in a position where my emotions are in the driver's seat, I stop becoming a really thoughtful communicator. And I start trying to figure out how to either run away from this or how do I attack the, the source of the threat. Neither of those options are particularly effective when you're trying to have a nuanced communication. Play is practice, right? Play allows us to prepare for real world scenarios. You know, when you look at the research around play, you look at how animals play when they're very, very young. You know, that's, that's not just for fun. That's to teach them important skills that they'll be applying, you know, in their lives. And, and it goes with us as human beings, right? Play is it's something that helps teach us empathy. It helps to teach us how to overcome you know, obstacles, how to overcome challenges, but in a way that feels safe, in a way that is fun. We all want that. <laughs> That's valuable. These are the things where breakdowns happen because people don't understand, oh, shoot, we've misunderstood that. That isn't bullying behavior. That, that person is just really confident, direct. They are not intending that. And for them, they don't realize, oh, shoot, not everybody's wired like me. I, I guess <laughs> maybe I need to tone that down a bit. That's really why it's super important. Understanding how you show up in the world, right? If you maybe are a high D and you didn't realize it, having this, you think, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize I was coming across this way to people. And then for the low D, it allows them to say, okay, I have been ascribing the wrong intention to the behavior that I'm seeing. I always get my clients to be like, how often do you talk negatively to yourselves? And my favorite is they say never. I'm like, okay. And then, and then we'll be in a conversation. They're like, oh, I suck at that. I'm like, negative one thing one, right? And I can start listening. And they're at 20 by the time three sentences goes, <laughs> goes on. 
And so it's slowly bringing that awareness. So I always say, you know, it usually happens when we're stressed out. I always say, write down all the negative things then. Look at how many negative things that just came out of your out of your head or out of your thoughts, right? And then we shift them because we can't change something if we're unaware of it, right? So that's where we get the, that little awareness. It's so important to recognize those negative things in your life and not just accept them. One of my least favorite sayings on the planet is, it is what it is. And sometimes, yeah, it is what it is. But so often when we say that, it's something that is still in our control, but we're giving up that control by saying that and just accepting this negativity in our lives when it is not what it is. It is in our control and we have the control to change that and to fight back against that and to speak up about it, do whatever is necessary to change those circumstances as long as the intention is good, right? And that's so important to recognize those negative things and for what they are and to do what we can to change them. Okay, like flip side. What if you push to make it happen, you do all that stuff and you don't get there in the end? Maybe you were meant to learn those lessons and have those things in your toolbox. Like every time something goes really not awesome in my life, I'm like, wow, I really must need that in my toolbox. Something in the future is going to need me to have had this experience. Someone's going to need my help or I'm going to need my help. Thank goodness I have this now. And I just have that faith that even if you think it's a fall later on in retrospect, come on, when we look at our lives, we're like, it's uncanny kind of how they they flowed through. Like, I'm a person who wants to try even if I'm not going to make it for the things that are most important to me, because I don't want to be who I am if I don't believe that. Right. So even if you don't make it, the journey itself is worth it. I just try to focus on what I can control. Right. What can I do? I mean, keep in good contact with your clients, always be working and prospecting to find more business. I, I only stress and worry about what I can control. So the outside factors, I mean, I nothing I can really do about it. You start yourself rolling, and as long as you start getting on a downhill, you can go. And the ball will continue, continue going until you hit a wall. And you do, you do. You go, 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 and then you hit a wall. And then you got to overcome that next obstacle. Your brain is your best friend and your worst enemy. I set a budget and I try different things. What works, I continue doing. What doesn't work, I accept the loss and I uh, move on to the next one. I just don't stop doing nothing. You know, I don't sit on my house and, and say, okay, well, this is not working. That's not working. Oh, well, too bad. I don't, I don't want to do anything. That was a lot of information in relation to the ideas of, you know, taking the chance and, and failing, but failing with purpose and failing is, you know, that idea of experimentation and realizing that there's an emotional side to failure, but figuring out how do we, how do we use that emotional energy and recognize what it is and figure out how to, how to properly reflect and how to, how to navigate those issues and fix the problems with the best intentions, right? Doing it uh, for a for ourselves and for a positive value and for positive growth, right? We need that failure in order to grow. It's all about the journey of getting there. And we have to, you know, think about what it is that we can control, right? We obviously, when we get going, you know, we start this motion of doing things, but we're eventually going to come to points where we're going to hit hit walls, you know, as Angela mentioned, and we're going to continue to have to figure out, okay, where do we go from here? How do we, how do we figure out what the problem is? How do we work around it? And 
you know, things like the idea of what play can do for us and how it teaches us and how we're able to process the ideas from those, those safe environments fail with purpose, fail with value, build that awareness and understand, you know, what that means so that that way, when we, when we hit failure in the real world and when we hit failure in our, in our lives, we know how to navigate it and how to use that emotional attachment to failure or not let it stop us from continuing to move forward. So I think every experience that a person has, if you can tap into that experience and pull the learnings from it in a positive way that you're able to share that experience that resonates with others, that's a great way to help people. Put yourself in their shoes. Empathy is often misunderstood as being exclusively an emotion. Like, and there's obviously an extremely uh, important emotional dimension of building empathy. But to that, that the sort of emotional foundation, I would add that there's a really important cognitive component to building that shared understanding. And and there's like there's a process that you can you can go through in order to build that. It's about asking better questions, being more receptive to to hearing things from from someone that might not necessarily align with what you first assumed that they were going to say so being open and curious about new new ways of doing things too and all of those things can be practiced in in in, in a logical way and when teams and and people practice them that shared understanding uh, goes a huge huge way uh, at, uh, to building relationships that are really really firmly uh, connected Empathy is a huge, huge factor in my life. I mean, it's it's something I learned back in college working with uh, Matt and Ryan in 21 Toys. I really resonate with the process of what empathy is. And I know I, I mention it all the time in the episodes, you know, you know, it ties back to empathy. It's back to empathy. It's empathy. It's empathy. Because it always is. It always seems to be, you know, the, the understanding of, of others and being in their position and sharing the experiences that they have and understanding what it is that they go through. But as it's talked about with Matt and Ryan, it's more than that. It's more than just the idea of, okay, I understand what's happening and I, I feel for you and I'm, I'm, it's not sympathy. I understand and I appreciate the fact that you're in these issues and I, I know what you're going through and I'm willing to, willing to be there with you to understand what's going on. But it's then figuring out, okay, well, what do I do with that information? Great. I understand you have a problem. Now what? Right. So figuring out how do we how do we connect those pieces together and how do we learn from from the process of empathy? How do we understand, you know, when there's differences in communication, people don't understand each other, where are the pitfalls and how do we continue to grow with those pitfalls? And the biggest thing is knowing that when somebody doesn't understand something, there's always opportunity to change the way we explain and and learning how to reflect our ideas in a way that they can perceive. And knowing that there's there's going to be emotion with it, but it's not necessarily about the emotion. It's cognitive. There's there's function within it. There's the process again of understanding what's happening, seeing, hearing, feeling. All of these things are important when it comes to processing empathy. I feel like entrepreneur is more of a mindset than a label observe and listen to myself about what I'm truly grateful for. You know, once you open up your mind to consider what you're actually grateful for, 
like again, you know where to where to put your energy and you know where to put your time and and I think it sort of clarifies some muddy bits in life. Self-worth is being comfortable in your own skin, being happy with the direction in your life, finding satisfaction in all the small things, and knowing that you're worth something to others, but it's not necessarily monetary, right? It's more connection. And we never want to be good enough. We always want to be better than. You fake it until you make it. Picture like walking into a coffee shop and not saying anything to anybody that you know. You wouldn't do that. You got to get in there and you got to make conversation with people. Otherwise, they'd look at you and go, why, why didn't Dave say hi to me? Now, on social, can they see that you're scrolling? No. Can they see that you're stalking? No. But if they can't see it, nobody else sees you and therefore you're not really there. Don't be most people, right? Because if you're not most people, you're actually going to stand out. People are going to pay attention to you, right? Not as like an activity, but actually looking at it as like a state of mind. When you can approach problems in a playful way that really helps to reinforce and foster the importance of creativity, innovation, collaboration, that complex problem solving, what we are able to do when we are in a state of play or a mindset of play is, you know, we're more open to testing new ideas. We're more open to learning and sharing in a safe environment, right? We're more open to, to failure. And I think one of the most important aspects of, of bringing play into our work and, and into our lives is it really connects us. There's this ironic thing you ever notice in life where our strengths can be our actual challenges, right? So for everything that's a strength, there's always sort of a flip side to it. And I think it's important that we don't just tag things one way or the other. Like, yeah, it's a strength, but it could also be a challenge in this way. And that's okay. It can be both, right? From a holistic approach, Dr. Paul does this, or Paul Trek does this very well. He breaks it down into four doctors. So you have Dr. Diet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Happy. And so it's pretty much, if you just look at those four doctors, and if I was to ask you, Jonah, like, would you say you're Dr. Diet, Movement, Quiet, and Happy are all in alignment right now? Probably not, right? And it's just because, again, most people don't even think about Dr. Quiet and Dr. Happy. They know about diet, they know about movement. And Dr. Quiet really relates to the energy management and recovery, right? And that's kind of, in North America, we're very good at overstressing ourselves or working to the bone and not recharging or taking that time to balance. And Dr. Happy is kind of there to always guide us to something that fulfills our needs and live a life within our core values. And I think the main issue there is people don't even know their core values. And without knowing that, they can't work towards something that makes them happy. You stop listening as much to people saying, this is how you do life. because They're just telling you how they want to do life. And they want their own life to do that with, right? Your job is to figure out how you want to do life and harmonize the things that are most important to you. Because the people who truly give value the people who are running a real business, those people will always have business and there will always be that market. They told me, listen, sit back, take a breath and look around. 
And so I made my office into having all my awards, all my achievements and everything. And when I feel overwhelmed and overstressed, I sit back, I breathe, and I look around. And that's like a habit I got into anytime I'm overwhelmed or stressed or anything like that. It helps me kind of calm down. It helps me bring me back into my space. Just some really sort of in-depth processing and thinking, right? The idea of all of these sort of tools and tricks and concepts that are brought up, it's really just the the overseeing view of what's happening, right? Like the, the idea of pro- understanding, you know, all of these different aspects of our own self and knowing how we need to take care of all these different levels within ourselves and figure out, you know, what it is that we want in our lives and providing value is what's going to help build our business and build our network, but making sure that, you know, we're not we're not just looking, we're also engaging, we're doing something, we're part of the story, we're part of the narrative of what's happening. And we're not, we're not just doing it because everybody else is doing it, we're doing it because of the fact that we want to stand out and we're doing, doing something that most people aren't doing. It's a process and it's a mindset and it's an idea and we, we know that our, our, our own values and we know that we have to continue to strive to be better than not good enough, as Jason says, or, you know, faking it, making it work, figuring it out, learning from the process and being honest, but also diving in and knowing what it is that you're doing, not looking at the concepts uh, always the same way in the same light, you know, things like play, it's it's what connects us, it's what what we're, what we're honed in to do, right, doing all of these things that some people may say, you know, isn't the right process, but it's realizing it's what process works best for you. And taking that moment, sitting back and really reflecting on everything you've done and focus in on where you're going and how you're going to get there. To leave us today, let's hear some titles of the guide to awesomeness, because I think this really sums up what the guide is meant to be. I can honestly say I'm proud of the work that I've done. I know it sounds a little boastful. I think it's been it's been a journey and it's been a it's been a, a challenge at times to get there but we've we've gone so far with this podcast it's only going to continue to grow and go up. I remember when we hit our 10th episode I thought that was a huge milestone but now we've gone a year and and listening back to everything that's been said and shared I know that there's value in what we're sharing and I'm hoping that with with each and every episode each and every one of you listening to this podcast is able to take value from it, learn from it, continue to grow who you are, how you do business, how you work, how you play, and how you live. Let's again, take a look at these these awesome title ideas and remember, just continue to be awesome. You'll hear it again. Be awesome today and be even more tomorrow. Join our to beat the family. Practice gratitude. What do you represent? Know what your values are, what your beliefs are. Bridging the cultural gap. How to be the best version of yourself. Play it forward. Live the questions. It's never too late. Show the F up. In order to understand awesome, you need to understand yourself. Stop comparing yourself to the Joneses. Organize your priorities and your efforts to support your, your happiness and your fulfillment. I mean, I want to say gratitude, but my inner voice is saying purpose. 
freedom with no regrets. How to reach your goals. Don't give up. Stay true and be honest. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the awesome people and awesome things we talk about. This is Jonah reminding you to be awesome today and be even more tomorrow.